This time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 21st of March 3.15pm, Ward 9. I haven't felt like writing in my diary for a while. It's nearly three weeks now since I last wrote and since Dad had his stroke. I'm sitting with him in hospital this afternoon, but he's fallen asleep, so I'm taking the chance to bring my diary up to date. It's been a long three weeks. We none of us, Jeff, Mum or I, left the hospital for the first 48 hours after it happened. I don't think we could believe it. Still can't, not really. Not Dad, he's always been so fit. Today Dad ate, with a little help, most of his lunch, and we talked after that. At least I talked. Dad was content to listen. The doctor said it's still early days, and that with physiotherapy, Dad could learn to speak fairly normally again. It's his right side that was damaged by the stroke. Looking at him now, sleeping peacefully, it could almost be as if he were taking an after-dinner nap. It's only if you look more closely that you see that his arm is lying limply on the bed beside him and there is a tiny dribble escaping from the corner of his mouth. Dad's always been most particular about his mouth, making sure it was wiped clean and that no traces of food remained on his teeth. <laughs> I remember once he had a tiny piece of cabbage on his front tooth. It was when Jeff and I were about ten and twelve and we thought it hilarious not to tell him. Instead, we kept asking him questions so that we would be able to see it. At last, Dad said, You two are full of curiosity this afternoon. It's good to ask questions, though, isn't it, Dad? I said. When we got up out of his chair and left the room to go to the toilet, we guessed that he'd spot the cabbage in the mirror, so we slunk off before he came back in case he'd worked out what we were up to. And then we forgot about it until tea time. We were already sitting at the table when Dad joined us. He didn't say anything at first, then Jeff asked him to pass the bread and butter. Dad was about to hand the plate when he said, Are you sure you wouldn't prefer? Here he gave a wide-mouthed grin. Cabbage! He had stuck bits of cabbage leaf all over his teeth. I managed to wipe the dribble off without waking him. I didn't want to wake him. He doesn't sleep well at night. The hospital is too noisy, he says. And he misses Mum next to him. Get away with you, she said when he said that. You're always grumbling about me saying I snore, which I don't. But I noticed she squeezed his hand extra tightly as she said it. I was in work when I got the news. David Davis and young Mr D were in reception. They were finishing off their conversation when the phone rang. Good morning, Davis and Davis, financial advisers, I said in my best telephone manner. There was a snuffling sound at the end of the phone. Hello, I said again. Is anyone there? Alison, Mum, is that you, Mum? What's happened? Are you all right? Dad, something's happened to Dad. Mum, are you all right? What's happened? Hospital. Oh, Alice, I think he's going to die. Mum, just take a deep breath. Tell me where you are. At the hospital. What's happened to Dad? I think, I think he's had a stroke. She burst into noisy tears again. OK, Mum, don't worry. I'm coming now. Which ward is he in? 
We're still in emergency. Okay, Mum, just stay with Dad. I'll come and find you. I put the phone down. Young Mr D and David were looking at me. It's my dad. Mum thinks he's had a stroke. I'll have to go, I'm sorry. The words came out garbled. Oh, don't be silly, Alison. Of course you must go. Don't worry about anything here. I'll drive you, David said. What? You're in no state to drive. I'll take you there. Are you sure, David? Young Mr D asked. I would take Alice myself, but I have another client in ten minutes. Although I could ask my father to see him. Shall I do that? He won't mind, I know. No, it's fine. Get your coat on, Alison. I'm free for the rest of the morning. Here, don't forget your bag. There's no need, really. I can drive myself. Don't be silly. Come on. I felt so sick that I couldn't face arguing. David didn't speak while we were in the car. I was grateful for that. I didn't want to be in pieces when I saw Dad. Mum hadn't said what sort of state he was in. If he was conscious, I didn't want him to see me crying. When we pulled up in the hospital car park, I got out. I leaned back in to say thank you, but David was getting out as well. Oh, there's no need for you to come any further. I'd like to make sure you're OK, that you find your mum and dad OK. Is that all right with you? Oh, yes, thank you. He took my arm and led me into the emergency reception. What's your dad's name? Bill. And his surname? Oh, oh, yes, sorry, Jones. He asked at the desk and found out which ward Dad had been taken to. He steered me through the maze of hospital corridors until I spotted Mum peering through a window in a door. Mum, how is he? What have they said? Oh, Alice, she fell on my shoulders. He's in there. She nodded towards the door. The doctor's with him now. They're doing tests. So they haven't said anything yet? No, nothing. Oh, Alice, I thought I'd lost him. She began sobbing noisily again. I waited until the sobs had eased, then asked, What happened, Mum? He was just coming down the stairs. He said his head was hurting, and did I have any tablets? And you know your daddy never takes tablets, not even for headaches. I say to him, why be a martyr? But you know what he's like. So I told him there were some upstairs in the bathroom cabinet, and he turned round to go up again, and then he fell backwards. At first I thought he just tripped and banged his head, and I, I told him not to be so silly and to get up, and oh... It's all right, Mum, you didn't know. I patted her on the shoulder. Then when he didn't say anything, I went and looked at him and... Oh! It was hard to get anything more out of Mum, except that the doctor had been in with Dad for about ten minutes and that she hadn't been able to get hold of Jeff or Tricia. Would you like me to try and contact them? David spoke quietly. You can't use mobiles in here, but I can go outside while you wait in case the doctor comes out. Mum suddenly realised there was someone with me. She looked at me for an explanation. I decided explanations would take too long. Oh, thank you, David. That would be really kind. I'll give you their number. It's on my mobile somewhere. Between us, we found it and David left us. Mum watched David go, then looked at me. Who was that, Alison? I was saved from answering by the doctor coming out of Dad's room. Doctor, what is it? Is he going to be all right? Mrs Jones, he said. He looked at me. I'm her daughter, Alison. Mrs Jones and Alison, perhaps you'd like to sit down. We did as we were told. I think we both felt we might fall otherwise. Now, the doctor continued, as I think you may have guessed, Bill has had a stroke. A fairly major one, but he's still alive. 
His body readings are quite strong. But at the moment we can't tell what damage, if any, has been done. We still have a lot of tests to do. Is he conscious? Can we go in and see him? I asked. He's not conscious at the moment, he began. Then seeing my face, he hurriedly added, Not that that is a bad sign. The body needs time to pull itself together. However, I must warn you that the first 48 hours after a stroke are the most dangerous, the time in which, if another stroke is going to happen, it is most likely to occur. You can go in and see him now for a few minutes. Then I'll have to ask you to wait outside again while we do some more tests. When David came back, we were outside in the corridor, not saying anything, just holding hands. I managed to get hold of Jeff. He's on his way, but he was in Cardiff, so he'll be an hour or so. Thank you, I said. Have you been able to see your dad yet? I nodded, just for a minute. David sat down beside me. Oh, why, Bill, of all people, that's what I don't understand. What's he ever done to deserve this? He doesn't even smoke. Mum was shaking her head desperately. It's not fair. Why, Bill? I just squeezed her hand some more. I knew the answers, and so did she. Life isn't fair. Why not, Dad? Would you like a cup of tea? David asked. There's a canteen down the corridor. Thank you, but I don't think we should leave here. No, of course not. I meant that I'd go and fetch you a cup. You'd like one, wouldn't you, Mrs Jones? I think I could manage one. Milk, one sugar, please. I'll be right back. After he'd gone, Mum said, Who is that, Alison? His name's David. He's just someone I know through work. Is he married? I can laugh now, but was shocked to hear her ask it when Dad was lying next door, practically dead. I realise now that it was a distraction, something to take her mind off what was happening in Dad's room, or what might happen. That plus the fact that an interfering busybody can never switch off completely. When David came back with the teas and a choice of chocolate bars, I thanked him and said, Shouldn't you be going? Didn't you say you were only free for the morning? Don't you have a patient or somewhere to see this afternoon? It's all right. I called my secretary and told her to cancel my appointments for the rest of the day. There was nothing vital I had to do. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. I wanted to. Oh, I didn't know what else to say. Thank you. Mum had been listening. A patient, did you say, Alison? Are you a doctor? Uh, David, was it? Uh, yes, Mrs Jones. I'm sorry there hasn't been a chance for proper introductions. I'm David Davis. He stood up and shook Mum's hand. Oh, delighted to meet you, I'm sure. Have you known Alison long? I stepped in. Thought I might as well get it over with. David is the man I told you about, Mum. The one in Claude's. Oh, no. Oh, David, I must apologise for my daughter. I don't know where she gets her clumsiness from. It's not me. She must get it from her... Mum stopped suddenly as she realised what she was saying. Oh, Alison, he's going to be all right, isn't he? The three of us sat in a row, our backs to the wall. We didn't talk much and were barely aware of the low hum of machines, the clattering of trolleys and the beeps and whistles of the life-prolonging equipment. Mum and I were both wrapped up in our own thoughts and memories. David was too wise to intrude. He simply sat there with us, a solid presence, I found myself thinking, 
Nothing can happen if he's here. I used to think that about my dad. Nothing bad could happen to me when dad was around. He was my protector, my knight in armour. Now he needed someone to protect him. I closed my eyes and prayed. When Jeff arrived, David left quietly. He touched my hand as he was going, saying, let me know if I can do anything to help. It was about an hour later that Dad regained consciousness. We were all round the bed when he opened his eyes. Bill, oh Bill, you have given us such a fright. Mum was almost shouting in her anxiety. Then the doctor asked us to leave while they did yet more tests. Mum was beside herself. He's conscious, so that must mean that it's going to be all right, doesn't it? She kept saying it. I don't think she believed it, but she needed the straw. Jeff wasn't saying anything, so I tried to calm her down. Mum, you remember what the doctor said. The first 48 hours are the most dangerous. Dad's got a long way to go yet. Yes, but he smiled. He recognised us. That must be a good sign, mustn't it? She grabbed my arm beseechingly. I couldn't tell her I'd found the half-smile he had given and his poor distorted face more upsetting than his unconscious state. We've just got to wait, Mum. Now, two weeks later, there is a definite improvement. He's still not Dad. I don't suppose he ever will be, not physically anyway. The whole of his right side has been affected in some way. People notice it most in his face, but that's because they don't see him trying to walk or use his hand. The physiotherapist is impressed that he has done so well, but he gets very frustrated. He tries not to let any of us see, but I could see him when I was still outside the ward on Thursday, and he wanted to get his cup and he couldn't and he was crying. I waited until the nurse had spotted him and had helped him compose himself before I went in. My dad crying. My dad never cries. He used to joke that the only time he cried was when England won the World Cup in 1966. Now he needs everything, everything done for him. Or he needs help at least. He can't even go to the toilet on his own. My dad. My big, strong, dependable dad. <laughs>